Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 7th, 2014. Last week I touched upon the Fabian Society, the so-called left-wing arm of the right-wing Royal Institute for International Affairs or Council on Foreign Relations because they literally run every side of every party, every organization, you name it, whatever. They run it all. They even run countries in conflict and major wars. In fact, they started the wars, if you go through their histories, of, from, especially from their personal um, appointed official historians. They have their own version of history, which is the true one. But uh, it's not the one that's taught in your schools because they, their, own, their own employees and members write your history books as well. So, these are the guys who set up the Fabian Society, the Royal Society, which gives you all supposed to be, supposed to be the authorized true science that no one can argue against, including climate change and all the rest of it, for, for big social control measures really across the whole of the planet. They set up the United Nations. And uh, the United Nations, under all the treaties that they do, this private organization, by the way, the United Nations, a private corporation, and then you, you find out they, they implement all the policies uh, that the big boys wanted Im- to implement well over a hundred years ago, and using all means possible to con the public into giving all rights and freedoms up to allow themselves to be managed more scientifically and expertly, supposedly. Because you can't decide yourselves how to live, you see. You're too stupid. So you need experts and professionals, intelligent ones, you know, all selected and appointed because they're very politically correct and they love a big paycheck to run your lives for you. That's what it's about. So I touched on the United Nations uh, uh, GERFEC program for Scotland. They have ones for every country, different names. It's all the same thing because it's all under the United Nations Treaty on the Rights of the Child, which has nothing to do with uh, the children having rights. It's the right of the, of the, the big boys to monitor you and run your life from birth to death and to destroy all the old systems, including the family unit, of course. So you find that the parents end up having no rights at all. I'd just like to add something else onto it tonight that I touched on last week, but not in great depth, and that was to do with the rights of the child to take euthanasia if they require and like every time they introduce some new uh, part of their big worldwide plan that's worked out in a, a timetable map type idea, they always pick a country to start things off in. And they used Holland initially to introduce euthanasia in Switzerland too. And in Holland, eventually they, they knocked it down until uh, children can, can, can be euthanized as well. And, uh, and they also knocked it down so that if you feel depressed... Regardless of age, then you could request it as well. So now you'd be very wary of your quacks, you know, your doctors, because they're making a fortune of body parts galore. You wouldn't believe it, actually. I, I know folk who uh, are in the, the harvesting business of organ transplants, by the way. And it's incredibly lucrative and getting better all the time. So with uh, getting younger and younger organs for all the big rich so-and-sos at the top, who live an awfully long age, actually. They're given, you know, real medicine and so on, not the stuff that you're getting. And they don't eat the crap that you're fed, by the way. And I have to say that word is slipped out because that's what it is. And um, 
your life is shortened while theirs is actually extended. They have medicines which you'll never hear of, actually, which keep them going an awful long time. But they still need uh, organ transplants because these characters love to booze it up, you know, all their big luncheons and, and do's that they have worldwide all the time. And they, they're, they're going through livers like crazy and various things like that. So they like to live because they enjoy life, you see. They have no worries whatsoever. They really enjoy lives because since they own all the tax systems in the world and things like that, they're not worried about getting hammered with taxes. All the things that terrify the rest of you, they don't have any worry at all. So life's awfully good to them and they really, really enjoy every day. Now, let's get getting back to GERFEC, getting it right for every child, the United Nations plan for Scotland under the the rights of the child. I'll put a PDF up tonight from their own site, by the way, and it says, a call for views by the Scottish Parliament's Health and Sport Committee. I guess I'm calling it sports now for, for suiciding you. For unassisted suicide Scotland bill, because they have them for all countries, actually. They're implementing them gradually. And it says here, together, doesn't it sound wonderful, all these things, together, Scottish Alliance for Children's Rights is an alliance of children's charities, all these NGOs that work for the big United Nations company, Inc., that works to improve the awareness, understanding, so welly and it's beautiful. As long as they paint it and dress it up and, and nice flowers and so on, the people swallow this stuff without thinking what it means. Anyway, I mean, literally, they could, they could give you a genocide of a whole nation and do it the same way, and actually they have in the past. This is understanding and implementation of the UN Conventions of the Rights of the Child in Scotland. We have over 260 members, ranging from large international and national non-governmental organisations. They're all paid by the front organisations which funnel the cash to them. Uh, And these are the big um, foundations that you know of, like Rockefeller and Ford Carnegie and all the bunch that that go along with the stacks of them. It says the NGOs uh, through to small volunteer-led after-school clubs. They use everything and your naivete as well. So our activities include uh, collating an, an annual State of Children's Rights report to set out the progress made to implement the UNCRC in Scotland. We also provide a focal point through which Scottish NGOs report to the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child. Now, you notice there's no families allowed uh, to, to voice their opinions here. It's all that they've officially recognized and member non-governmental organizations of the United Nations. And it says, The views expressed in the submission are based on the general principle of the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child and do not necessarily reflect the specific views of each member organization. They always give themselves a back door in case uh, we ever have a, a Nuremberg trial one day, which won't happen, unfortunately. Uh, but anyway, it says here, Together, that lovely name again, Welcome as the opportunity to offer views on the Assisted Suicide Scotland Bill, which was introduced to the Scottish Parliament on the 13th November 2013. Remember, I've gone through the history of this. Go into uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com and go through the archive section. There's thousands of audios there and, and, and links galore where I went through the history of uh, John Stuart Mill and then the, the same uh, son that he had, the same name. And the H.G. Wells, who wrote lots of non-fiction books, by the way, for the Fame and Society. And, and he wanted even to bump off, uh, uh, not just the Irish, but the Scottish as well. Uh, so here they go. They're going to make sure there's not, no, no um, racials, but that terrible word, racial Scots left, you know, like ethnic Scots.
Anyway, it says that the, the, the policy memorandum of the bill states that the bill allows people to actively wish to retain control of their lives. So you're going to retain control of your lives by killing yourself, right? To secure a dignified death at a time of their own choosing, instead of having to endure a poor and declining quality of life. Now, quality of life, as I say, that includes depression, folks, or I'm just a bit fed up this time, I've got the blues, you know. And youngsters often get the blues, especially when there's no future in, in a society that is kept by design fundamentally broke. So quality of life, until such a time as they die as a result of their illness or condition, or condition, right? The bill dictates that for a person to be granted such control, they must be at least 16 years of age. So, it says together, this together, we're all together, we're all going down the tubes together, you know, they're going to bump us all off. Together, we'd like to make the following comments in response to the bill. Firstly, we take no position on assisted suicide, nor on whether children should have their, their, a right to assisted suicide. That's again a caveat to, in case there's a Nuremberg trial one day. However, when the issue is being discussed, now see here is their opinion on it, the rights of children should be taken into account just as they should be when other important matters affecting their health and well-being are, are being considered. If the proposed bill were to be introduced, together would want the committee to consider the impact it could have on the rights of children and young people. Now, in other words, any age group, from babies all the way up, you know, the proposed legislation could impact on children who have parents, carers or siblings with terminal illnesses, or on children and young people who themselves have a terminal illness. Do you better understand something here with their wording? Under the genetics agenda for eugenicists, if you are below a certain par on whatever scale they design, physically, mentally, whatever, intellectually, that can easily be slipped into terminal illness when they say that you can't support yourself, you can't survive properly, uh, or you're antisocial, has been proven by previous generations. You've had a, an uncle or an aunt here that was antisocial. It's in the genes, a burden on society. Anything at all, or apolitical, or anti-political, or whatever, or anarchistic, or whatever it happens to be. Can be put in there, folks, and this is how they do it. Get it on the books and expand it, just like anti-terrorism laws. And it says here, in all decisions affecting children and young people, the views of a child must be given due. Due weight in accordance with their age and maturity. Now, this is the same organization for GIRFEC, getting it right for every child, um, that mandates that children, even uh, about two years old, must have an assigned government-appointed guardian who will test them for psychology and what they think of things and other people, etc., as they go on down through the years up to the age of 18. And by the way, social work departments, psychiatry, everything's involved in this mental health to make sure... Uh, that they can catch anything like like original thought very early and uh, and correct it, you see. And don't believe for a second 
uh, that it stops at 18 because, you see, they've, put, they've got bills on the table to be introduced a few years down the road to expand these on, this ongoing surveillance of the individual and testing of them annually, even psychologically, uh, for the rest of their lives. They've got them on the table right now just waiting to go in and get signed in the right year and date. They've already published articles from the various psychological associations they have at the World Health Organization about this. And and apart from that, they have all your data, your schooling, any problems at school of all kinds, family problems, uh, work records and so on after school. Uh, They're all mixed together with the social work departments and agencies and police, you name it, all together. Everyone must be completely profiled and updated in real time as they go through their entire life from birth to death. I talked about this years ago. Because I read all their documents a long, long time ago, you see. Now, getting back to this uh, PDF here from their own site, the United Nations. And it says here, In all decisions affecting children and young people, the views of a child must be given weight in accordance with their age and maturity. And then it goes on, Together recommends that the committee looks at the comparable legislation to learn from other countries' experiences together does not endorse any specific legislation introduced elsewhere, rather recommends that the health and sports committees uses international debate and experience to inform its own deliberations. Health and sports committee. Well, that child broke his leg on the field there in that game. Ah, euthanize him. (laughs) I'm kidding, folks. Nothing is impossible these days. Nothing. Just give you time a little bit of brainwashing through all your movies and so on, and you'll go along with it. It says, It's important to note that the children are prone to and suffer terminal illnesses and extreme physical pain, just as adults do. Uh, considering the Assisted Suicide Scotland Bill, the Health and Sports Committee should consider how the bill could better affect the rights enshrined in the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. This would be in line with the duty placed on Scottish ministers to keep under consideration and take steps to further the rights of children and young people through the Children and Young People's Scotland Act. There's no mention of parents anywhere here. And it goes on and on and on. And as I've already mentioned it too, and I've read articles years ago on this, uh, on the air, that, as I say, anything, even temporary blues that you go through, is considered an illness now, and a lot of the countries have ramped ahead the, the euthanasia laws. So, I'll put this link up tonight for anybody who's interested. Most won't be interested, because always seem to think that everything doesn't affect them. That's how they're trained. They live in a little bubble, and they believe they're in a wee bubble, actually, and they believe they'll sort of live forever, watching movies and munching things and so on, and having fun, fun, fun. And nothing will ever touch them whatsoever. But that's the name of the game. Now, their big thing here is what I mentioned years ago too, and every year since, uh, that you understand whatever they they plan 100 years ago, uh, they always work at it, the Fabian style, step by step by slow step, and condition generations of the public along uh, gradually, through gradualism, into accepting anything that they want. Then they hit you at the right time when they know no one's going to complain, or the few that do and who are aware don't count, you see. Although they're counting the ones that do understand because there's very few left with an intact brain. 
But here's an article here to do with uh, the big boys again. They have nothing to do with running your country. They run it internationally. Everything, every politician that you have is international. And they take their orders from the top, not from the general public who think they elected them. But it says here that uh, the GCF headquarters in South Korea to be opened this week. So what's that? You see, that was back, uh, that was 2013. And it says here that uh, in Seyong, it says December 3rd, the headquarters of the United Nations Green Climate Fund, so GCF is Green Climate Fund, will be officially opened this week in a, a ceremony here, but a year after South Korea was named to host the world's largest fund on climate change, the government said Tuesday. And he goes on about the opening ceremony and, and who's all attending it. Other attendees will include Christine Lagarde, Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, because they're going to have all the money flowing through them and through the private bank of the Rothschilds in Switzerland, by the way, because all these big old families are all involved in the whole future agenda of the whole planet, every facet of it, and making lots of money off it, because that's what they've always done for generations, make money off the herds. And Christina Figueres is the Secretary of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change and South Korea's Finance Minister, Hyung Oh Seok, it says. It says the GCF, launched in late 2010, is the largest UN organization to be based in South Korea and is expected to raise 100 billion US dollars per year starting from 2020. Its main purpose is to channel the fund from industrialized nations and these are all taxes, by the way, to developing countries, which is not going to developing countries at all, to help them tackle global warming and other problems related to climate change. So here you go. All your global warming and yada, yada, yada. It's not called climate change if you're going to deep freeze. But it's all your fault, you see, because you breathe. You breathe and uh, you can't have all, all the people breathing for free, you know. There's a lot of money to be made off hot air. It comes out your mouth and nose. For those who are good at conning you. And by God, they are good at conning you. They've done it for centuries and centuries. Well, you have. And as they change the whole of society under control uh, and to get new laws for controlling the general public and make money off them too, uh, this is the greatest tax that the, world, the whole world, this is a world tax, you understand. But it's a private kind of tax because it goes through the private organizations, the big private banks at the top that are authorized for the carbon money to go through. Billions and billions a week go through, you see. And bankers are awfully good, like the Rothschilds, for instance. They've made their money off cons their whole life long, their whole generations long, and many many of their own ilk too. And um, they're still at it today. And they helped, of course, set up the, 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 the Bank for International Settlements. They run it, the IMF. They're on it too, all your top central banks as well, and and also uh, the United Nations, uh, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, etc., and the Fabian Society. The same families are involved in the creation of all these organizations. They're already one big organization, different specialized branches working on their own part of the agenda, the same agenda. Now, here's an article here. It says cap and trade. Again, another term to throw the public away. I mean, cap and trade. You know, sell, selling hats or something? No, no, no. The idea, supposedly, is that each country agrees every year to a new level, which is the cap of carbon emissions and so on. And trade. Now, the big corporations can buy 
the, the carbon, basically carbon credits from each other. A lot of nothings is they buy from each other, you see. This is the greatest con in history, this. You know, paper changes hands. They represent supposedly uh, like invisible bags of, of non-invisible non bags, but non-invisible bags of, 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 of carbon, you see. What a scam, isn't it? I mean, we've got to make up a new fairy tale about this. It's much better than the king has no clothes. And it says, The so-called cap-and-trade may be a solution to a problem that was not intended to solve state budget crisis. Now we're getting a little bit of the truth here. That's a, that's a part of it, you see. Cap-and-trade policy was designed to address climate change by putting a cap on carbon dioxide emissions. Issuing a fixed number of permits, that's permits, allowing them to trade, and then allowing firms to trade these permits. Since they pay a market price per tonne of CO2 emissions, firms have an incentive to find all the cheapest possible ways to cut emissions. But the suggestion to implement cap and trade in any one state within the US has almost nothing to do with global warming. Given huge emissions from the rest of the world, cutting emissions in one state will have no perceptible effect on global emissions on, and climate change. So for policy options within your own state, it's about the money. This is in June. President Barack Obama announced a proposal to impose a greenhouse gas emission restrictions on electricity generators and attacks. In each state, they will achieve an average reduction of 30% below 2005 levels. Now, what do you mean it's going to re reduce? It's going to reduce your consumption because you can't afford it or something. Think about this. This is to go on all fuels, folks, for travel, but for primary things like heating. So guess what? One day you'll see in the news, just like Britain has right now, x, x many thousands of people die in their own homes every winter, and it's now normal. You accept it, and it goes up every year. It won't matter to the rest of them who are, who are managing just to get along and scrape by and had lots of entertainment and sex and everything else and watching their porn and whatever else they do in their spare time. But since the federal plan allows a lot of flexibility as each state can choose how to comply, each can impose energy efficiency mandates, switch production from coal to low-carbon natural gas, reduce demand for electricity, increase renewable production, or use any combination of such methods. One allowable method is for a state to impose its own cap-and-trade system or join a regional cap-and-trade system. So they've got local, regional, national, international, etc. So you can have big international corporations lowering their taxes and so on by trading their own carbon credits to the top from, from one branch of the same company to the other big branch of the same company across the water. So the Clean Air Act has been signed. So it has been signed, you see. And it's time to comply by Joshua Roberts Routers. It says, historically such permits are handed out to existing electricity generators so that each plant can emit 70% of a previous year's level. Remember, carbon dioxide is an invisible minute gas, one of the most minutest gases there is. And it's got to exist or there'll be nothing but grow. Since the plants suck it up, they need it. Plants need it. And crops need it. It's, all, it's a beautiful fairy tale, though. Is it, or sell those rights or buy more. Unfortunately, Californian plans started by handing out these valuable pieces of paper to existing polluters. 
After all, the price of electricity is going to increase in any case, which will cover those firms' added cost of compliance, it says. Then it goes on and say, if they get free permits, because that's what the governments are all doing, they hand them out free, billions of dollars worth of free ones to all the big corporations. It says, uh, these firms make profits, because they trade them, it costs them nothing to get them. You pay for all, you see, the taxpayer. A simple alternative is for the state not to hand out the permits, but to sell them at auctions. Then the state can capture those profits as state revenue. It says, uh, take my own state, Illinois, as a mere example of the budget pressures faced by virtually every state. Illinois has huge budget deficits. Well, I think everyone does, because they all overspend anyway and fill their pockets with, you know, illicit gains. It says, the Institute of Government and Public Affairs at the University of Illinois estimates the state's annual budget deficit will be $4 billion next year. and will rise within 10 years to about $14 billion per year. Amazing, eh? $14 billion a year. Eh? <laughs> Deficit. Deal with crooks, eh? The whole world's run by crooks for every level. Can trade could be a partial remedy. They said that about value added tax and, and GST in Canada, etc. None, none of the money ever goes to pay off anything. If Illinois sells permits for carbon dioxide emissions at, at about $20 per tonne, similar to the program already in place in California, the state could raise $1.5 billion per year. They always try and sell it to you, these, these con men, don't they? Try to sell it to you. That number is over a third of the, of the $4.1 billion deficit projected for the next year. So in other words, these, these taxes, energy taxes, carbon taxes, are really all to help us get out the hole that all the crooks get us in. It's not meant to get us out the hole, it's to get more money for the crooks, folks. It's the same crooks, for goodness sake. But it's also to manage your whole lives. For everything you purchase will have a carbon tax on it, even the paper wrapper on a bar of chocolate, including the chocolate too. Yep. What a slave you are, eh? Great little producer you are too. Great little producer. Uh, but nobody complains. They don't mind. Oh, well, you know, oh, well. And... Here's another article, too, on November 26, uh, High Country News. It says, America's duck factory is in trouble. No kidding. It's another big con. I love this con here. More than half of North Americans' waterfowl hatch in the prairie potholes region, named for the extensive wetlands formed in depressions, glaciers left behind as they receded from what are now the Dakotas, Montana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Canada. But farmers are draining the potholes. Well, that was done centuries ago, folks. They're not still doing it. In fact, there's fewer farmers now than ever. And tilling what little native prairie it remains to plant more corn and soya beans. No, the big corporations, the corporate farms are doing all that stuff with their GMO stuff. That's not just bad news for ducks. It's bad news for the climate because breaking up grassland soils releases carbon dioxide. Well, everything apparently does, doesn't it, eh? In response, a waterfowl conservation group figured out a new way to help ranchers save their grasses, paying them to grow carbon instead of corn. Ducks Unlimited and their partners have been working for years on a new kind of carbon credit created by calculating the greenhouse gases stored in grasslands that would otherwise be tilled in a single year. Now, this is a big so-called charitable organization, multi-billion charitable organization. It started back in the 80s, I think it was. And initially they targeted the hunters, made them think it was all to, to conserve ducks and so on. Yada, yada, yada. 
but no, this is a big, they didn't have investments as this big, you know, charitable organization. And, it's, and folk who, who want to, to evade taxes or avoid taxes, whatever they call it, can simply uh, donate money to them and it's taking off their tax deductions. That's how powerful it is. And you see the big names that run it too. And that's only one of the many things that, that uh, help run all the system. I talk about gangsters now. This article here from New York Times says, um, on Chicago, it says, um, the nation's first experiment in carbon emissions cap and trade has come to an end. And now, this is, a couple, this is back in 2011, it was. It says, uh, but its mark on the climate change industry will be felt for some time to come. That's where they first started. I'll go, I'll go set up one there first of all to reckon that the profits after the government handed out all the, the millions of dollars for free ones for the big companies to trade each other. It's gambling, isn't it? Let's trade these. It's like trading baseball cards or something. The second, they can't lose on these kind of baseball cards because the tax period is going to pick up any slack. You see if they can't make a big profit on it. The second commitment period for member countries of the Chicago Climate Exchange ended December 31st, 2011. And it's been no new cycle to ring in the new year. Exchange trading and allowances system generated, known as Carbon Financial Instruments, CFIs, to meet emission reduction commitment ends as well. Although CFI generation will continue as a strictly voluntary greenhouse gas emissions offset system. But what happened to it? You see, well, it went into this organization, and it says... ICE, I-C-E, they love these terms, eh? ICE. I guess if you can't pay your carbon credits and taxes, they'll ICE you, you know. They'll put you in ICE. They'll put you off it because we're in massive global cooling. And um, because I've been spraying like crazy with the chemtrails for years now. But it says, Intercontinental Exchange Inc. told Traders Friday that it would shut down its U.S. commissions or emissions Derivatives platform a year after acquiring its parent only to suffer sparse trading as the prospects of a federal carbon reduction plan remain dim. Well, they've passed it now. And this goes back in 2011 too. The Monolithic Chicago Climate Futures Exchange venture will continue operating through the first quarter of 2012 before closing. Exchange officials said in a notice, ICE, it says, will then take over ICE as an international one. You see, the big one. So they do it step by step. Get the folk kind of used to it, deal with it, and then jump up internationally, you see. This article here, Green Climate Fund, who's pledged and who hasn't, from ABC News, December 6, 2014. Amongst the most, the most, uh, among the most significant achievements of the UN climate talks, the Green Climate Fund is intended to become a key channel of money to help poor countries take action to fight climate change and deal with its impacts, as they forbid them, by the way, to have electricity, because it'll produce CO2, and they'll start destroying their wonderful wildlife in these poor countries, you see. With Norway's pledge of $258 million on Friday, the fund has received a promise, promises of $10 billion, and is expected to start considering projects for funding next year. However, the 24-member board is split equally between developing and developed countries. First needs to adopt some rules on what kinds of projects should get financing. Here's a look at some of its contributions from rich and poor alike. The US, $3 billion, 
White House says a significant portion should support private sector activities and reserves the right to direct some of the money to other funds based on the pace of project, a progress of the GCF. So in other words, uh, private sector activities, that's, that's the big corporations that still have a base in the U.S. For cheap labor, set up a factory, you'll fund it all, and, uh, and then get the cheap labor there, you see. Then other funds too, well that's all the other CIA-based NGOs that the, the U.S. government runs as well. Japan, $1.5 billion. Green groups suspect Japan wants the fund to, to allow its financing for fossil fuel technologies, including modern coal-fired power plants. Uh, Japan delegates in Lima said Friday that Japan hasn't adopted a position yet. An EP report money showed Japan has already used about $1 billion in climate money to build coal plants in Indonesia. Britain, $1.2 billion. Britain says it wants to earmark some of the adaptation funds for the most vulnerable countries. Maybe they should start with their own, eh? As their, their own folk die in their own homes every winter. But no, it's global agenda. It's not, you understand that Von Rompuy, the United Nations, was correct in that article I read a year ago, or whoever it was, when he said that uh, the age of the nation state is dead. You're international, folks. You're run by one, one big group of international corporations at the top. And guess who's at the top of that? Well, listen to my archive section at cuttingthroughmedias.com. And France put $1 billion there. The article's here, by the way, where the French are still running out the country because the country's absolutely broke and they're taxing folk that didn't have any work at all into utter poverty. Uh, Socialism again. eh? Sweden, $550 million. Sweden's contribution is the biggest relative to the size of the country's population. The pledge needs to be approved by Parliament, which is currently in crisis mode after the government failed to get its budget adopted. Australia, zero. Australia says it will continue to pay for climate change adaptation in vulnerable countries through its aid budget rather than through the GCF. South Korea, $100 million. The first developing country to make a pledge to to the fund. It's also the host country of GCF headquarters. China, zero pledge. The world's most populous country, number one, carbon polluter hasn't contributed to the fund, but China's chief negotiator at the United Nations Climate Talks in Lima Thursday urged all developed countries, including Australia, to do so. You see? Ah, grasshopper. You don't understand this way of thinking. And then it's got Mongolia, $50,000. It may be a symbolic sum, but China's poor neighbor, Mongolia's pledge, showed that anyone can contribute, not just rich nations. Mongolia's GDP per capita is not even one-fifth of that of the United States. Getting back to China for a second, though. Don't forget that China's under the same banking corp, uh, big boot, that the rest of the world's under. If you think that they're independent, think again, folks. According to the history of who set China up to, the same guys that set up the Soviet Union and, and Germany as well, Nazi Germany. I could get it much, much deeper, but a lot of folk who, who really believe in their flags and things would be, you know, they wouldn't like it. This is all new. <laughs> and um, it goes on and on and on. I'll put this link up tonight too, uh, as your country's all... Uh, Pledge you down as collateral, basically, to pay all this law off. Uh, what a great boon. I mean, literally, have got nothing. they don't have to produce anything. Just things on paper. 
eh? They don't even manufacture a product The only products they manufacture are con games And they have professional marketing companies to soften the wording, you know And reverse the wording and all that kind of stuff with all the lawyers they use Isn't that wonderful, eh? Isn't that just wonderful? And then also put a link up to the home of the Green Climate Fund. Green, 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 eh? As green they say on the far side of the hill. I wish this hill was, you know, on a different planet. As you collect all this cash. And I'll also put up a link you can all get a look at to International Petroleum Exchange. Wikipedia. International Petroleum Exchange, now ICE. Oh, wow, ICE, you see that? Remember the, the Al Gore Corporation, eh? The Chicago Stock Exchange, or Futures Exchange. It was, the deal was initially with carbon trading. Run by ICE now, you see. International Petroleum Exchange. Now ICE Futures, it's called. It's Futures. This is based in London. was one of the world's largest energy futures and option exchanges. Its flagship commonly... Brent crude was a world benchmark for oil prices, but the exchange also handled futures contracts and options on fuel oil, natural gas, and electricity, base load and peak load, coal contracts, and as of 22nd April 2005, carbon emission allowances with the European Climate Exchange, ECX. IPE was acquired by Intercontinental Exchange 2001. IPA was an open outcry exchange until 7th April 2005 when its name was changed to ICE Futures and all trading was shifted onto an electronic trading platform. We'll show you some of the history of it too. Con after con after con after con. And have brainwashed a whole population with the school kids that have not grown up. And they, oh, carbon's bad. Oh, we're polluting the atmosphere. And here they are. If you think they're trillionaires now at the top, give them a few years of this and they will be way beyond all of that, folks. These same families that dream all this stuff up with all the think tanks that do all the work beneath them on their behalf. that do you pay for? And Leona Aglukak, I guess, says Canada's still finalizing targets as climate talks begin. December 4, 2014. It's on right now, you see. And uh, so the Environment Minister says any new international climate deal must be fair to Canada. Nearly 200 countries are meeting in Lima, Peru to work on agreement ahead of next year's final talks in Paris. Ain't your politicians around? No, they don't. Government, parliamentary governments are way below. They're about the third or fourth level down here on this big pyramid. And they all know it too, by the way. They all know what their, their, their jobs are. And it says, uh, any new international climate deal must be fair to Canada. You know, 200 countries are meeting. And up in the lead-up to conference, countries have been announcing new deeper cuts to greenhouse gas emissions. Two of the world's biggest emitters, China and the United States, recently signed a deal that will see the U.S. cut its emissions by 28% below 2005 levels by 2025. If you cut emissions, folks, you're talking about your heating, all kinds of heating. Uh, you're talking about your, your gasoline, diesel, that's for freight and everything. Everything's going to go up and up, up in price because the trains use their diesel and so on, etc. Everything. 
It says Canada has so far matched the U.S. emissions targets, but uh, Aglocac would not say whether Canada would match the U.S. goal this time. If it makes sense for Canada, we'll go there, but in terms of targets, we have not finalized those as we move towards 2015. So, as I say, this goes ahead, on ahead, regardless of politicians. They don't mention this stuff to the public. Another thing, nothing that really matters is mentioned during election time. Oh, education, jobs, you know, and welfare, and pensions. That's what you hear every every time they go for elections. Eh? But all these big international agreements will run your life from birth to death, and all the UN agreements and rights to the child and euthanasia never touched, folks. And these massive taxes that Carmen tax never touched. And Lima Climate Talks, they call it a stepping stone for universal treaty, meaning taxes run by this private corporations of the United Nations. This is a front again for the big top banking boys. Very old families, these. Very old families. And remember this one too. October already at the time. California readies pay-as-you-drive tax test coming soon to road near you. This is to, this is to be across the world, folks. Everything you do is going to be taxed to save the world, you know. It's all going to be saved by lots of money going into these big private organizations at the top that they can trade amongst themselves to make multi-quadrillions. And it says, um, it won't happen immediately or even within the next year, but not too far in the future. You may pay tax for every mile you drive tax to California. They always kick it off in California. And it gives you the story. And I'll put that up tonight as well for those who really care. Because most folk, you can tell them it's coming to you tomorrow, next week, and they think, oh, no, that's like, that's like that's a, must be 100 years away. You know, that's how they are, you know. Their little bubble can't be scratched or might burst. Since the move makes California the largest state to explore how modern technology might replace dwindling money from gasoline taxes. Who's kidding who? It used to build and maintain roads. Who's kidding who? Then it goes to the roads. <laughs> what, what does go to is what the claimant's going to go for. What does, eh? In this corrupt system. And if they build and maintain roads thanks to ever more efficient vehicles and less driving overall. Oh, that's the reason for it, eh? Less driving overall, so they make the shortfall from somewhere else just by slapping their tax. Congress has been forced to fill the gap at the federal level with billions of dollars in temporary funding. In California, where residents pay 48.5 cents in the gallon, and state gasoline taxes worth more than three billion a year, the state has borrowed from those revenues in recent years to cover shortfalls elsewhere. Of the other states in which have explored such systems, Oregon stands as the most advanced with its plan to offer a voluntary pay-as-you-drives tax set up next year, offering 5,000 drivers a chance to pay one and a half cents for every mile they travel in the state. So that's how they brought in the driving license, you know, and even the, the, the driving insurance. It was all voluntary. To see how many schmucks would go for it. Then they normalize it once enough's doing it, and, uh, and away you go. And it says that they give them a chance to pay one and a half cents for every mile. That's how they started, one and a half cents. Eventually, one and a half dollars for every mile they travel in the state. The Oregon system uses a pair of devices, one in the vehicle and one in special fuel pumps that use GPS to track miles driven, then given, uh, gave the appropriate credit or surcharge at the pump itself. 
Oregon also found that drivers in a test program pay 28% more than they would have using fuel taxes alone. <laughs> They'll be happy and smuggy. But the backers of Oregon's mileage tax system say the technology could be far less complicated and adoption far quicker thanks to services like Apple's iPay and an in-car internet setup such as General Motors' OnStar. State Farm already has a pay-as-you-drive discount for its customers with newer Ford vehicles that use Ford Sync to automatically keep track of how far they've travelled. And as the Oregon officials imagine it, one envisions a time when all new cars will come equipped with mileage reporting capability. New car buyers will decide during the registration process whether to activate the mileage reporting capability already installed in the car or add an external reporting device. It's your choice. You don't get to opt out. But you can just decide this one when it's installed or add your own one, you know, that's from a different company. They'll also choose a provider for account management or default to government-managed account. Oh, there's a government running everything, eh? Motors will then drive and periodically receive a bill by mail or email. Their choice, see, I tell you, these fake choices, eh? You'll be given, you'll receive a bill by mail or email. So you've got choices in this. You get the bill regardless. That may be bundled with other value-added services. Oh, it's a value-added service getting taxed for. I understand now. Motorists may check the bill details and pay online or by mail or authorize automatic payments from their smartphone. There you go. Another wee, wee choice you get. Tablet device or the connected vehicle console on the dashboard of their car. Given motorists the ability to choose their mileage reporting and bill payment preferences will make mileage reporting and per mile change payment simple and comfortable as each motorist defines it. The only choice you can't make is whether to pay it or not. <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? Standard marketing techniques, psychology. Works every time. Aye. And it says movements may be a more personal form of data than even name and address. Where you live is a, a public record, but tracking someone's daily routine can reveal far more private information. There are already many ways businesses can do so. Every iPhone running the latest, uh, on any of the latest update has the ability to send location data to advertisers or remember or uses frequent locations and license plate scanning firms already have a billion plates on records. In other words, they already know where you're going, folks, so why are you worried about it? Ah, goodness sake. Eh? Uh, government always kills many birds with one stone, you know. They get you to pay for all of it. As long as you can track and trace you and fleece you. And Ontario's ice cap and trade system, you know, level. But progressive, uh, this PCs says it's carbon tax regardless. Ontario has not ruled out joining the Quebec-California cap and trade system to limit their emissions of greenhouse gases. We're just beginning our conversations, our discussions, our partnership with industries, environment and climate change. Minister Glenn Murray said Thursday, what we're most concerned about if we get to four uh, degree centigrade mean temperature change in the next several decades. That's a legacy that's pretty unthinkable for our children. I wonder if they, you know, four degrees centigrade. Well, I'll tell you, during the summer, somebody would be happy to get four degrees centigrade because it's that darn cold. Old. There's no summer at all here now in Ontario. And that's nothing to do with that. That's to do with them spraying, of course, and tampering with the climate. Quebec has links with California and a cap-and-trade system that sets a limit on carbon emissions, allowing companies to pollute less to sell their emissions room 
to others. Overall, the goal is to make polluting more expensive and encourage the use of greener technology, supporters say. I guess you'll end up wearing, having to walk everywhere and you'll use those rush, made from reeds and rushes, sandals. You see, you'll be walking on green technology. Eh? And even then they'll tax you for it. You're not going to win, folks. And the USDA, Department of Agriculture, announces carbon credit sale. Agency initiates partnership with Chevrolet to purchase nearly 40,000 carbon dioxide credits. Eh? Isn't that wonderful? Partnerships with big corporations and the other big corporation, your government. Isn't that wonderful, Louie? So it's win, 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 because they have to produce nothing. 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 There's no costs here of production to get all these money from carbon credits and the big casino in the sea. Another big casino for the big banking boys. Isn't that wonderful? To save the planet, you know. And you all fall for it. You've all been brainwashed, you fall for it too. Because no one looks up. And since 98, they've been crisscrossing your skies. No, it's not jet planes from going to airports, folks. I've lived in country areas here where there's very few planes at all. And I've seen total grids set up in a matter of an hour or two. And then the weather really changes big time each time it happens. They've been doing it for years. 98 was when they started doing it seriously, like continuously. That's the real world we're living. But what a great future this is for the big boys, eh? And everyone gets in. All the agencies get in the act as well. For your health, you know. To make sure you're, you're, you're breathing cleaner air as you freeze to death in the winter. Yep. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, and every every prostitute agency is going to make a fortune off this, hiring more employees and up and up, up in their wages and all that to make sure you're safe. No one ever stops and says, "Well, did we? Did any citizen elect the United Nations and to govern us all on all these different charters and rights and all the rest of it and euthanasia laws, blah blah?" But your rights, of course, no, nope. Did any national government ask its, its people? Permission to join it and, and sign list? No. You see, you were taken over long, long ago, folks. Long ago. And I've gone through the history of the big organizations that run the world. You've got to start using the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Thousands and thousands of hours of talks. There's this host that come on every day. You still use daily my stuff. They go over it and over it and over it. It's so rich and stuff. And then they grab it as their own. It's quite amazing for at least one of them or two. But that's the real world we live in, isn't it? Where everything's managed, even information on all sides. Isn't it managed? And the more people go into all this trying to... to, 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 to see, it's a natural thing to try and join a side. Human nature. And they give you all the sides to join, like fake choices. It's the same thing. Sides, fake sides to join. Everything's managed. Every single thing's managed. I keep saying you've got to start thinking for yourselves. There's nothing else you can do. Think for yourselves. 
That's your birthright, for goodness sake. Without that, you'd be a zombie, your own mind. Don't be scared to sit and think for yourself without having something flashing lights in your hands as you're pressing little buttons and things. Silence. Learn to, learn to be comfortable in your own presence. Today folk panic in their own presence and there's nothing else around them. They panic if they lose their cell phone. I mean, literally panic. They're constantly... I saw another study the other day because why don't they keep doing these studies? It's to make sure that, that, that all these induced neurosis are actually working on folk. That's why, folks. Until folk can stop and say, gee, I've got a spare five minutes here. I wonder what I'll think about. So you've been trained not to think for yourselves. And they say that the ultimate thing and all this creation is the human mind itself. It can go further in thoughts and means of thoughts with vocabulary and all the rest of it than all other creatures. And yet, you're the professional people that give you all your movies and all your chat rooms. You let them give you every thought that's out there rather than use your own mind and do it yourself. And come to your own opinions and your own conclusions. And that's scary, that, you know. Scary. Very, very scary. I was lucky when I was young because the country was, was all around. And if you wanted to just go five minutes, you'd start walking in the outskirts of the little town. And you're in the country and you could walk all day if you wanted to pass the whole time of day. And watching what was there, and, and you'd, you'd pass little areas of, of water where there were swans, things like that, and little burns, we call them, small rivers, streams, and you'd see fish in them, and you'd stand and watch the sun glistening off the fish and things like that. In those days, sun was a good thing. Today, apparently, it's bad for you. But back then, when you had a, a bit of sun, everything was happy, you know. You had that lovely fluorescent green color off the, the leaves, and everything sort of shone, including the glistening water as you watch the stream. And that's how your mind starts to work, is observing all this. And a natural meditation comes out of walking in and seeing all this too. You're deep in thought, you see. Natural meditation. And that's how your mind starts to really start to work. You're observing things, thinking about what you're observing, and making opinions and coming conclusions for yourself. That's been robbed intentionally by very clever people who've studied you for an awful long time. And even in in the educational systems, it didn't give people education and mandate education to help them think for themselves. It was to stunt their ability to think for themselves and to make them more efficient when they shoved them all into the factories and got them off the land and stole the land from them. And they worked in the factories till they dropped and died at a very early age for the big corporations that owned the factories. But you had to be able to read basic instructions for machinery and things like that and notes that were handed from foremen and, and that's why they gave basic education. There are big meetings in Britain and other countries 
about the effects of, of um, giving education to, to the general public to make them more efficient. And they were really worried about them being able to start communicating and maybe starting to write. And some of them might even start to write good books down the road. So they said, we've got to keep them awfully busy. Keep them awfully busy. 16-hour days in the factories by law. And keep them at a, a, a rate of malnourishment where they wouldn't live beyond 30, 35, maybe 40 if they're lucky or unlucky. And, uh, and, and, and again, too, at a sustenance rate for income so that any family would, would be un- malnourished. Malnourished children and, and, and were common in Britain right up into the, actually World War Two. And that's coming back again, by the way, where they've got rickets again. And the UN's trying to wean folk off drinking milk and taking cheese and dairy products. Ricketts is back already. But the UN doesn't mention that. Uh, you know, Malthus is alive and well. Employed by the same big jokers that ran the world then and their offsprings run it today. That's the truth of the matter. And they turned out the penny novels too, with little exciting adventure stories, little simplistic things. Linguistic minimalism involved all through it, so anybody could read it with little simple sentences of spies or fighting for your country against the terrible Hoover it happened to be at the time. To occupy your time. And then when radio come along, boy, they went to town with ads. The BBC was created by the government as a propaganda tool, and by good day, God, they used it to full extent. Along came television, and bingo, you could get the minds of the public. They didn't have to worry about them reading anymore. They weren't going to read anything non-fictional and, and, and important. Not now. And then through the fiction, you could program them with all the stuff you wanted them to start to, to believe in. And it's a perfect art today. Perfect art. And embed all your updates like a computer on pollution and, and, and carbon taxes and killing off the planet with your nasty behavior. It's all your fault. They embed all that into all these movies and sitcoms. Everything is through everything. And the writers are paid to put this stuff in. And the educational system, by the way, their name for education is indoctrination. Simple indoctrination. Yeah. They indoctrinate each, each year, they up, they up the, the, the indoctrination to each intake further along so, so that they're already prepared when the next big push for the great change done in, in their lifetime is to come as well. They'll accept it without question. We're easily programmed. Terribly easily programmed, aren't we? Wonderful, too, with, with the Orwellian speak and double speak and so on, of the terms that they use. They can literally sell you anything. They can, they can cover everything, as they say in roses, as they, they tell you to, to bite the cyanide pill. That's the professional techniques used by neurolinguistics, psycholinguistics, and the neurologists are working on it, neuroscientists, and the behaviorists, all working with the big marketing corporations to make you believe whatever they want you to believe until they can make your own elimination 
a happy, desirable thing or wonderful, etc. I don't know if you ever saw Soylent Green, which was actually put out there uh, by the big boys to try and get the message out on, oh, there's too many of you folks, you know, that would be post-industrial and useless. And its real title at the time was Make Room, Make Room. And the movie version, they called it Soylent Green where they start feeding the people to each other in little, very hygienic, little kind of chocolate-sized pieces, etc. Uh, although the leak can still get beef and all the rest of it, even in the movie. But uh, the, whole, the whole thing was to make you think, oh, well, to get the idea going through fiction, there's too many of you, too many of you. Yep. And um, one point in Charlton Heston's roommate, uh, he's an older fella, uh, decides, well, it's time for him to go into euthanasia. I live long enough, and, well, you know, just like this rights to the child thing and the rights for the elderly and everybody else, well, I'm just kind of fed up. I'll go and get euthanized. And they give you a great scene of how it will be, you see, where you tried folk at Nuremberg for this. Lots of folk in the Soviet Union should have been tried for, a lot, for that and a lot worse, actually, because they went way, they had a lot longer to kill a lot of people off, more folk off. Didn't happen. And but you, you walk through this big place with, with all these swing doors and everything's spotless clean and so on and shiny. And, and like receptionists at the airport's all happy and smelling to see you and they, they guide you into a little chamber. And it's actually a room. And, and you hear for the first time things that you've never... They showed them 3D imaging on, on the walls and all that, green fields and antelopes going in deer and all the rest of it. And beautiful music going as this, this thing slowly released the poison into his system. What a wonderful way to die, you see. They can dress up the most horrific acts. And they do. With beautiful techniques and terminology involved. And make you happy to be making room for someone else. Preferably one of the elites. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you. <laughs>